This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. I'm your host, Lee Llewellyn. Hello, this is Jeremy Souders with Hoosier Energy. Hoosier Energy is a nonprofit generation and transmission cooperative offering reliable, safe, and competitively priced power to members in Indiana and Illinois. Hoosier Energy is dedicated to strengthening the communities it serves by supporting existing business retention and expansion and new business development, as well as looking forward to the future with a diverse and balanced energy mix focused on reliability, affordability, and sustainability. To learn more about Hoosier Energy's commitment to economic development, please go to HoosierEnergy.com. Hoosier Energy is a proud sponsor of this IEDA podcast. For this podcast, I am in Kokomo, Indiana, and today I'm talking with Lori Dukes, President and CEO of the Greater Kokomo Economic Development Alliance, and joining us is Misty Nisley, Marketing and Communications Manager. So Lori and Misty, thank you for joining me today. There's been a lot of attention, well-deserved, on Kokomo over the last few months following the big announcement by Stellantis and Samsung. And I want to start by talking about that business development, but we're really here today to talk about how that development has stimulated a social development in Kokomo. So, Lori, let's start with the story of the stellantis Samsung partnership. I alluded to the fact that there's been a lot of media attention, but... Let's kind of set the stage by telling the story about what's happening with all of that. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us today, and we're excited to talk about this opportunity for Kokomo. Um, absolutely, yes. This is the first joint venture battery facility in Indiana with um, Stellantis and Samsung SDI. And this joint venture is a multi-million square foot facility that will be the first of its kind here. Um, this venture called Star Plus Energy, so I know a lot of people get confused in the naming, they've heard a lot of names, but Star Plus Energy is the, the, the name of the joint venture itself, so I'll, I'll continue to refer to it as Star Plus Energy. But it's investing more than $2.5 billion in constructing this lithium-ion battery production plant in Kokomo. Um, and what we're excited about also is the 1,400 jobs that it will produce here. So. Um, if you've been by the site recently, um, then you've seen the structure already going up. If you haven't, I highly encourage anyone to take a drive by. It's fascinating to see um, that they are already putting structure up, and uh, it's fun to watch the steel beams go up, and they're moving very swiftly. Construction actually started August 1st of 22, so they uh, started with groundwork then, and so now they're well on their way to getting structure put in place. So, you know, there was a time, maybe not that long ago, when, um, you know, economists sort of predicted the end of automobile manufacturing in the state of Indiana. <laughs> and, you know, I think Kokomo was part of the epicenter of sort of that that declaration of sort of death of automobile right. in manufacturing in Indiana. And obviously that has was a premature prediction of death. And this is really sort of a rebirth in a way of, of an entire new sort of future for Kokomo. So how is that all sort of playing out and being perceived uh, with within the community? You know, it's interesting. It's been 
so well received in the community and this community sees itself in so many ways as having that pull it up by your bootstraps mentality and we just continue to work hard and whatever challenges have been presented in the past we just continue to work through them and so when that came out publicly you know I, I the community felt very much like we're just continuing to move forward and we're seeking these new opportunities and we see this as a continued step in diversification from what we've had here traditionally but what's so great about the opportunity is it really gives us that next big step towards other means of diversification as well but obviously we have a rich automotive history here in this community and so much pride one of the things that I always enjoy talking about in different engagements that I go to is that there's a there's a generational pass down of an of inherent automotive tradition and knowledge in families here and I think that is what has made us stand out as a community for this and other opportunities and we talk about how you know grandparents have passed down to their children and their children are, are passing down information um, as it goes on in terms of just not only what they've been able to accomplish up to now, but also that inherent knowledge that makes us a very skilled workforce for this type of industry. So it's just great things and we continue to want to see what else we can challenge ourselves with and do. This is, in a way, uh, it's a first for the state of Indiana with this footprint that's coming. So what are some of the unique challenges you've been thinking about <laughs> as being sort of first with this kind of development? Well, I, as you mentioned um, early on in the opening, that it, it really is absolutely our opportunity to realize that it's not just this business aspect that will be a part of this implementation here. It, it really is a, a cultural change for us on all levels. For this launch to be successful, we understand that there's also a visitor and a lifestyle and a residential element that comes to play with it. And so we want to have a uh, an approach that uh, really addresses all facets of the needs of someone who is either here as a worker, that is here as a family member of a worker, or someone here that is potentially uh, a supplier or, or any other aspect of, of why they will find themselves in our community and how we can ensure that we are putting our best foot forward to make every one of their experiences as positive as possible. I set it up as being, yes, it's unique about, you know, a business development, but, but we're really here to talk about, and you're sort of leading into that, the, the fact that you started thinking about how this is going to create some unique social changes within the community, and that's been a bit of a sort of an evolving discussion that, that we had over lunch about how you're continuing to think about how that's going to be different. So. Let's set up that conversation. When we were preparing for the podcast, you alert you you talked about that there was one particular situation that happened that caused you to have an aha moment about sure. things are going to be very different and we need to be ready. So set up that discussion that you've been having so that we can talk about some of the things that you are doing to prepare but talk about that moment where you sort sure. of suddenly realized things are going to be different absolutely well obviously with this announcement even before it was made public um, we work very closely with the mayor's office and his staff and we were having strategic discussions on 
you know, how can we make this as successful as possible, understanding there are so many facets involved with it. And we started looking at other communities that had an international large business implementation and, and started reading on some of the things that they maybe struggled with or were successful with. And in doing so, it reminded me of a personal story. To try to make a long story short, uh, I was became very familiar with a, a therapist who came to our home weekly for my son, and he was from Korea. And he was just through getting to know him closely through many weeks and then therefore years of, of him coming to our home, he would share personal anecdotes with me. And one of the things we discussed was when he came to the US for the first time with his wife and children, he shared a story of where they arrived to the airport and they were so excited and they got in their vehicle and started off on the interstate to head to their new home. And shortly thereafter, they had uh, flashing lights behind them and were getting pulled over along the highway. So of course he did what he was familiar with. And in, in his story, he pulled over the vehicle and then as the police officer then started to get out of the squad car, then he also emerged from his vehicle to, to discuss the, the, the scenario with him. And of course, in our culture, um, the police officer was then nervous and reacted to his getting out of the vehicle in a way that he wasn't expecting. And he mentioned at the time that you know his children saw this and his wife saw that as well. And they then developed a, a long-term fear of um, our police force here in the community or in the state. And simply because of a misunderstanding or a miscommunication in their culture, uh, it's it's expected that you get out of your vehicle when you're pulled over and so when you're pulled over here of course we know you're expected to stay in your vehicle and keep your hands visible so those are the things that um, as we started really applying the logic to how do we put our best foot forward as a community those were the things that really started turning my wheels on oh my goodness there's a there's a much larger element to this than just the business day-to-day -day tactical approach of starting a business. It's really helping make sure we're providing a foundation of support and information that we can provide to everyone so that we don't have those types of missteps, hopefully. So I think the more that we can provide information and, and communicate, the better um, that we can prevent those types of issues. So, Misty, yeah. jump in here and talk <laughs> about, you know, what, what, where's this going? Well, we've been looking at it from both sides, from the Koreans coming here and not understanding American culture, and for Americans not understanding Korean culture. And so, we've kind of made the playbook as we've, as we've gone here, and, you know, we, we've talked to, I want to call experts, they're, you know, they, the Korean Studies Institute at IU Bloomington, and we're working with, with a consulting company, um, with a woman who's Korean. The more we learn about their culture, the more that it helps us understand what we need to be doing to prepare the community. Things such as the police officer, the interactions, the police need to understand that Korean tradition is to do this, and Koreans need to understand that American police officer's tradition is to do this. And so as we consider more and more elements of day-to-day -day life, that's kind of helping structure what we are doing and who we're communicating with. And we're, we're hitting those touch points where we know that they're going to interact early on. They're going to interact with someone from the hotel. So we are working with hotel employees and, and staff and managers so that they understand simple things like, you know, in 
Korea, if you say come here, you turn your hand upside down with your palm facing down and pull your fingers in. In America, we do it the other way around. But in Korea, with your palm up, it is saying, I want to fight you. And so <laughs> that could create a, a, a very bad situation in, in a lot of scenarios. So it's things where we learn things like that, then we, we tell different groups who that will be valuable to. As I think about this, though, I mean, this is a journey with many pathways. This can yes. go in a lot of different directions. And so, it's continuing to go yes. in different directions. Well, so, but yes. I mean, talk about the how. How can you possibly anticipate so many of those different things? And you have a little bit of lead time. Right. But talk about how you are beginning to, how do you, so how did you find out <laughs> that, that, that notion about, you know, Hand, palm up or palm down. That seems very obscure. How do you we, find out about these things? We have sought out and had a lot of conversation with people from Korea who live here now. And we're working with the um, IU Bloomington and their uh, Professor Kim. And so by having these conversations, we also had a gentleman come in here who's here on a work release program for Korea for something else. We had him come in and we talked to him. And so we kind of have to find out about their culture in order to teach others. And it's been evolving as we have gone. There's the, the room that we're in right now, there have been a lot of meetings yes. <laughs> where we have sat and, and talked about all these different aspects and bring people together. And it's just, it's kind of evolved as we've went because we're not gonna think of everything. There's just, there's just no way. But we're trying to hit as many aspects of day-to-day -day life as humanly possible. And one of the key things I, that we have learned is that just by the act of asking the questions and attempting to learn the culture and share that information is such a sign of respect received by um, the Korean nationals. And, and through, through that aspect alone, they feel the respect that's intended from that and, and reciprocate. And so it's, it's such an important, in their respect, based culture um, to show that you know we, they know we aren't going to get things perfectly. Enunciations is a good example. They understand that we um, are likely going to mispronounce things, but simply by saying, can you repeat that for me or help me learn how to say it the right way, they so genuinely appreciate that interest because it shows that you really care and it helps establish that bond. So it's been through as Misty mentioned, so many fascinating tidbits that have come through establishing relationships that those that we have met. Some have been citizens here, some have been traveling business partners, we've had many conference calls with other communities, so we've done lots and lots of readings, so it's just really pulling all of those things together and then culminating for us in a relationship that we've also established with a consulting company. We received a grant through our community foundation to establish a relationship with a consulting company with a Korean national herself uh, on the team that is helping us develop this very purposeful strategy that we're deploying now to provide programming not only for our alliance um, as a whole, but specifically our, through our Chamber of Commerce. The hospitality event that we held yesterday that Misty mentioned, that was focused through our Convention and Visitors Bureau. So we're really trying to look at all aspects of how, um, as an organization, we can feed 
feed that through to our correct partners and get the information out there. And we love that this is information that's available to anyone. So we're putting everything through either ticketed events, free ticketed events that every one of those are spoken for and sold out at this point. We're trying to attempt to provide recordings as well as presentations free and available to anyone who has an interest. And the other big thing that we're really excited about and is about ready to launch, we're hoping next week, is um, a micro website that will have English and Korean translation for different visitor aspects of our community. So if you are someone who's checking a Korean national into a hotel, as an example, and maybe you're struggling with that language barrier, there's a QR code, a very easy way that you can show them if you are struggling with language in their own language, just go here. And this is how you can find all of this information about our community. And the the microsite also has information to help them before they ever get on the plane to come over here. Yeah. We, we include information about what they'll need to know to get a social security card, to get a driver's license. If they get over here and don't come with that, well, that's gonna be a major barrier for them. So um, a portion of the website is devoted to things that they need to know now, and then things they need to know when they get here. And we worked with the Korean consultant on that as well. I'm still just fascinated, though, <laughs> in thinking about, I mean, all of the, the many layers, though, yeah. that you still have to think about. I mean, there is, you know, there is housing and, and going through that process. There is, there is education if, you know, people bring their, their children. But there's also sort of education that surrounds us about how do people who are already here interact how are you again it's such a holistic question how are you touching so many of those different elements of just the human experience that people are going to have in this community well when the microsite launches it's kind of funny how specific some of it is we have things in there about what our electrical plugs are like so that they'll know when they get here i had to in the writing this microsite i had to describe 911 it was such a weird exercise because I've never had to describe what that is. So we described if you have an emergency, call 911 because that's a wholly American thing. <laughs> and so we had to describe if you have an emergency of this variety, call 911. And when you call 911, here's who you're talking to. And here's what they're going to do. And here's when you don't call 911. We broke down what American currency is like. We broke down what American banks are like. And I think the, the beauty of our organization at the Alliance is our organization touches so many facets mm -hmm. of life so that we're able to think multidimensional. We have the chamber that works with businesses. We have the downtown association that works with quality of life. The visitors bureau works with um, travelers and people, family and friends coming into the community. So we're able to hit all these different assets of, of not assets, but aspects aspects yeah. thank you yeah. of of life and then through our conversations with all of these different people and like we we sit and we talk about well what's this going to look like when when they get off the plane what's this going to look like when they go to move in here what's this going to look or like? how do they apply it or will this make sense yeah. and yeah. so then we've kind of taken all of that and we've just kind of started compiling information and then pairing it down to different audiences. We tell the hospitality partners, we give them specific tips, and then we give local businesses specific tips. And so, because if we gave it all to them, if we tried to give them everything that's in our head from the last six months, 
they would probably melt down. So we give them specific information that's Relative. useful to them mm -hmm. when they are going to encounter these new neighbors. The other thing that's been kind of fun for us, of course, housing the Chamber of Commerce as an example is we, like every other chamber, we produce our directory of partners and we have that by name alphabetically and of course we have that by category. Boy, has that just been so relevant. It re has reinforced for us the basic tools that we have for our own community and then looking at them from the perspective of a newcomer, which has been fascinating. And one of the first things when we had uh, several different companies, as an example, in our office, how will we know how to find this? How will we know? And being able just to present your chamber directory and the impact and the importance of that has really emphasized for us how to ensure that our our own community knows the importance of that tool and being a part of it. And we have, as a result, uh, really even seen our chamber membership increase. So it, it really is that that full, whole, to use your word, holistic approach to really seeing everything uh, make progress together. So it's just been really fun to watch and be a part of. So what about food? <laughs> the number one topic. It isn't that funny. For us, I think we it is as well. But we were really surprised to learn that in every aspect of moving to a new country, potentially not speaking the language well, the top concern by most every single person we've spoken with has been food. Mm -hmm. In what way? So, <laughs> and, and how are you addressing that? Well, we are trying to attract Korean businesses, and one of those will be Korean restaurants, so that they have a taste of home here. And what we have heard is that they want to taste a home here, but they also want to explore what is here. So we have plenty of amazing restaurants. We just did the number. It's like, what, 60 yeah. locally owned restaurants in Kokomo. And so we're trying to attract Korean restaurants and Korean grocers and things that, that they will need, but also making sure that they know about the things that are already here. And we're translating a lot of stuff so that they can find the things that are already here. But so we're, we're trying to attract more of the businesses. We've also heard a lot about clothing and just all the different things that they'll need because things are just very different over there. So that's something that we are working on is trying to attract those Korean businesses. So as an example, one tidbit, uh, if you're listening, trying to apply this logic to your own community is something as simple as chopsticks. Uh, this was brought up yesterday with the hospitality meeting and training was that really chopsticks are an essential tool that can work with every type of food. They said, imagine trying to pick up a peanut with a fork. You can't do it. And a chopstick you can pick up and manipulate any food item. And so what they were recommending is that any restaurant in town, regardless of what you serve, it would be a very strong step forward and just having chopsticks available. So it, it really does change the way you approach day-to-day -day business and um, how you might approach uh, a, a new segment of who comes to your facility is simply by simple gestures such as that. Uh, another was slippers. Uh, in the U.S., we aren't as likely to take our shoes off indoors. It's not part of an ingrained culture for us. And for someone that maybe owns a hotel or is running a hotel, having slippers available whether to give or to purchase for those visitors becomes an incredibly important element for them and i think we all know when we think of home whatever age we were when we think of what home is to us 
we associate emotional things to that. And food is certainly emotional and comfort items are certainly emotional and they're so far from home. So if we can have those items readily available for them that brings them that little piece of comfort, that little piece of mind to feel comfortable here and want to stay, then what a great thing. There are also signs of being welcome here. And pretty much everything we do comes back to, mm -hmm. we wanna make them feel welcome here. And we want the community to know how to make them feel welcome here. So if they go to a restaurant and they're, you know, it's a burger joint and there are chopsticks there, that's just a little signal that we want you here and we're happy that you're here. If you go to the hotel and they give you slippers, it, they understand that that's my culture and, and they are welcoming here. And so just those little, little touches will show them that we want them here and we care that they're here and we care that they're comfortable. And I think that that will go a long way. And especially when we do have those missteps, and we will, <laughs> yes. then they know that we're coming from a place of genuine care for them. So that raises a question to me though about then, you're going through a number of these steps to be prepared and at least create that initial sense of welcoming but but how do you think though over time that that becomes institutionalized because so now there's a flurry of activity because there's anticipation but at some point it's not as though okay we're going to it's it's not as though you're you're preparing for an event that happens and then stops like you know when i think about what we did in indianapolis for the pan am games so yes there was a flurry of activity because all these people were coming but then they left and things went back to normal. Well, this is the new normal. So how do you think that that becomes institutionalized so that the process of mutual enculturation, as we continue to learn from them and, you know, they're learning from us, have you thought, I mean, have you thought about what becomes the, the sort of permanent benefit and the permanent uh, structure that goes forward? I think that's continuing to evolve. It's so new in the process for us and we're still pursuing what that will look like. I somewhat equate it to when we talk about developing employees or developing skill sets, there's hard and soft aspects okay. to that. And I somewhat look at the answer to your question like that. One of the things that we hear is, well, you're really making a large effort in this particular community. How does that benefit everyone? But I think it's that collective mindset that really helps establish that institutionalized aspect of ongoing norms eventually. Because when we change our mindset, when we adapt what we are doing day to day, whether in our personal aspect or in a, in a business aspect, to consider these things, to be a, a considerate resident, a considerate visitor, a considerate business person, then it's opening up our mind, whether we realize it or not, to how we apply that same sensitivity to everything else we do. And I think as we see the community continue to flourish and grow and new aspects coming in, we'll see that that equates back to the efforts that we're putting in in this place. And I think we'll continue to see that be applied as we move forward. One of the fascinating things for me through this project that I think will answer that question as well is really working with uh, especially the C-suite employees of, of this, of Star Plus in particular, and listening to 
being willing to ask the question and listening to the answer of what do you feel our community is lacking? What would be your impression of a successful implementation here? What things do you want to see added to our community? And really listening to those answers so that we can really diversify our community. And, and it's funny, it does go back to food usually in that first answer, but they love the aspect that there are cultural food locations in our community they they would love to see a, uh, a korean street downtown that has a bunch of korean restaurants because that's what they're so familiar with one of the stats that misty and i were looking at recently that when you think about it like this the state of indiana is very similar to the size of south korea and help me on the numbers misty because i'm probably going to forget but south korea has 50, 50 million, million residents, residents. And in the state of Compared Indiana, to six million. Six in million. So we are used to large spaces between towns and cities. Driving time. If you have ten miles to drive in South Korea, it'll take you an hour. If you have ten miles to drive in Indiana, a lot of times it'll take you <laughs> ten minutes. <laughs> ten minutes on traffic. So it's one of those things that you just kind of have to understand that they're used to having very effective public transit systems most of them don't drive or own cars they are used to having cafes and coffee shops and restaurants multiples of them in every city block and so we have such a, a different makeup and structure obviously here so they want to see little tidbits of that they don't expect Indiana to be South Korea but they would love to see a willingness in the part of our community to provide some of the aspects that provide them the comfort of daily life. We're already starting to see a little bit of, as well. We we had an event in our one of our Korean events. Our sponsor has banners made up, promotional banners, and they're in Korean. And they have Korean business cards. There's a few businesses that now have Korean business cards. So it's 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 well, fine. Well, Lori, Lori Dukes now has yeah, Korean I know. business cards because she gave me one <laughs> yeah. of them. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the mayor also has Korean yes. business cards. Uh, the and his staff. Yeah. Yep, there's a local bank that has Korean cards, and it's those kind of things that are only going to just grow. And I think it's going to grow on both sides of the aisle. I think you know once Koreans get here, they still want that taste of home, but then they're going to be experience the wide open spaces of Kokomo and they're going to experience the camaraderie that is Kokomo. And so their institutionalization for American is going to grow, just like I think that Kokomo is going to grow more Korean. So I think as soon as we get that first Korean barbecue place in here, I think everyone's hooked. Every time we talk about this uh, on the radio, I hear when's the Korean barbecue place coming? and once you get you know once you get that we're good to go <laughs> yeah that was what i that was one of the things i was going to say i mean so kokomo will be different mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's it's going to evolve with that and it's going to it's going to change um, in the process and i think one of the things that we talked about at lunch was so how how are you going to explain basketball to to the <laughs> korean transplants and they may understand basketball but they may not understand indiana basketball and you know that's one of those sure. cultural things that people you know that starts and stops sort of at the state line that people don't understand when you talk about it someplace else sure 
So how do you how do you I guess you take them to a basketball a high school high school basketball game and and start there, huh? You do, and they love baseball. But I think how you can really impress them is that there are some professional baseball players from Korea and if you know those names and bring those names up to them they will be so impressed that you have invested time in understanding that and communicating that so I think it's just that providing experience providing opportunity it's just a process just like if you had a new neighbor you're going to find those things that you have a common interest in and a common desire to do together potentially and you just see the relationship build and they're very excited to to do that with us i think there's a natural curiosity of each other and and even personally somewhat of an apprehension in terms of when i first started having these discussions what if i mispronounce something what if i say the wrong thing and i don't even know that i did and once you get over that concern and realize that at the end of the day we're all just here together for a common goal and and things just smooth out very quickly one thing that her and I were talking about earlier today is you can talk all day long but until you experience something then you're then you will truly understand it I told her it's like the first time I went to Vegas I had always heard that Vegas was completely over the top and when I stood there and saw this giant shopping mall with the Walgreens in it it's like okay I get it that's the biggest Walgreens I've ever seen in my life (laughs) and I think that they can understand okay well you know they got six million people in the space that we have 50 million but when you get here and you take your car and that's another thing that's going to be a culture shock is we love our cars yes and just like we love our basketball and you know it this is a big car town and to get behind the wheel of a car and roll the windows down and get out there in that wide open road you can't understand that until you do it. Mm-hmm. So I think that all the talking in the world will will surmise when they get here and be like, oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Basketball is, is exciting and is a thing. And I think just like if we were to go to Korea, we would have all these experiences of just, you know, ooh and aahing, and they're gonna have the same experiences when they come here. I think the best advice and all of that that we've learned is just be open. Be open to learning new things, trying new things, reaching out maybe in a way that you haven't in the past. I never in my life would have thought I would eat sushi and now I'm eating sushi and enjoying it. So it's easy to be stuck in our ways. I'm a meat and potatoes girl. So trying these new things is a little intimidating at first and then you realize, oh my goodness, I've been missing out. So it's it's just been fun. And we are finding that openness. Every one of the events that we've put together, they have been fill up instantly. And our hospitality, we had a lot of people there. Our Korean uh, cultural training, business trainings, we have like four more. They're completely full. full. You can't get in them anymore. And we have, we have seen that there's a, a strong willingness to embrace all, all, all things Korean from the local community. And that's been really great to see. It has. And so I think that's probably the biggest key. I think that it, uh, I, my interactions with, with, um, with people from other countries, if they sense that you are truly trying to connect, yes, we're all trying to be human beings. And I think we all will give one another sort of the benefit of the doubt if we get the sense that you're really trying to make that connection. 
the concern is, and we also talked about this, that the attitude that sometimes is associated with Americans is, well, if they're going to come here, they should do things our way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, I think that's where the fear and intimidation sort of comes in. Sure. But if there's a perception that we are at least trying to understand, we're trying to connect, we're trying to accommodate, people will give you the benefit of a doubt and they will explain how to pronounce their name and sure. they will take time to teach you how to use chopsticks if you haven't learned how to exactly. do that before. Yeah. So I think that's probably the biggest key is that there is an effort. So what haven't we covered, what haven't we talked about that you're working on? Yeah, we wanted to hit on the micro website, which we did, and we're, we're so very excited about that opportunity. And, and that will evolve. We know that from that first viewpoint of what we felt was important to add to that as it gets used and we receive feedback, I'm certain that we will have new components that will be added to that as we move forward. I think that we'll continue to learn not only from our partners providing information to us on what they need assistance with or what they would like to see us add in as well as from the Korean side the Korean national side as they start to get boots on the ground to, to get their businesses up and running I'm sure there's more business based needs right now it feels like we're heavy into the quality of life aspect of that but um, I, I'm certain that we'll learn more and possibly extend some of the opportunities that we're currently engaged with we just want to continue to add value more than any more than anything else and a couple other areas that we know we need to dive, dive deeper into of course education of course opportunities for uh, whether you have a family coming here with you and you need primary care or uh, any kind of post-secondary or any anything between so those are opportunities that we're exploring we have a uh, Kokomo High School has an international school here that hmm. has been so fantastic to be able to bring that back to the awareness not only of the existing community but to those that are looking at opportunities when they're bringing children here I think healthcare is another big piece of that this was something we discussed at lunch we have probably not yet fully understood this, the full scope of that. You're taking from Korea a very different healthcare system than what we have here in the U.S. And what we've learned is in some cases the, the Korean healthcare providers can provide coverage in the U.S. contingent upon the area that you're in. So it's possible they have insurance, of course, but that it can't be applied here. So how do we help bridge those gaps? How do we help prepare our hospitals, not only for potential population growth, but also the types of services that, that may need to be provided. I think in Korea they have more of a, a holistic approach to healthcare. They kind of have a health day where they kind they address everything A to Z, if you will, versus here we do more sporadic preventative care. So just helping bridge the gap of what they're used to to what is currently available here and then providing that framework of existing structure. Or in maybe place something to see. that we can actually learn from. Yes, yeah, something right. we can learn. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I think education, healthcare, a lot more to come in those realms. Uh, transportation is another big piece of that. And of course, language services. We're already hearing that there are opportunities that are being looked at by a lot of our local schools to provide language services. I know Indiana University Bloomington through the Korean Institute is getting ready to offer, I think in August, some free Korean language courses. So just helping to be able to communicate those opportunities and take advantage of them ourselves.
Okay, I appreciate the time that you've, <laughs> you've given. And this is just such an intriguing conversation and maybe it's something that, you know, somewhere down the road we revisit and say, okay, now that we're a little farther along and, and folks are moving here, here's sort of what we learned and here's what we anticipated and here's what we didn't because I think this is another example where you may be sort of the first but not the last in terms of you know welcoming a Korean country into the state or a company and so this is maybe going to be a learning experience for a lot of us so Absolutely. maybe we visit again I'd love to okay for this podcast I've been speaking with Lori Dukes and Misty Nisley both with the Greater Kokomo Economic Development Alliance this is really an example of you know this is just not what economic and this is an entirely different new realm of how we think about what we have to do for economic development and I really appreciate you both taking time to really share this because I think it's a very intriguing story so thanks a lot thank you thank you for having us thanks for listening Hoosier Energy is a proud sponsor of this IEDA podcast. Hoosier Energy is committed to supporting economic development throughout Indiana. To learn more, please go to HoosierEnergy.com. You've been listening to IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. All content on this podcast is copyright 2023 by the Indiana Economic Development Association, which retains all rights to this content. And by the way, the theme music was composed and performed by me, Lee Llewellyn. Thanks.